you have to be able to step up and quite literally articulate whether that's to somebody in your circle, whether that's to the universe, to God, to whoever it is that you're speaking to about what you want, right? Everyone is capable and everyone should be heard. At the end of the day, that's how we progress as a society. It's a lot easier to use your voice when you know what you're trying to voice. Hey there, besties, and welcome to our cozy corner of the podcasting world. It's time for another episode of Share Latte. I'm Min, your virtual coffee bestie and host. Imagine us in a cozy cafe, the aroma of freshly brewed coffee in the air, and ready to embark on an inspiring journey. In each episode, remarkable women share their stories of triumphs over life's challenges, providing a warm embrace for your soul. These tales remind you of resilience and determination, our keys to success. So grab your favorite brew, get comfy, and join us for the conversation that will awaken your mind and heart. You'll discover your own power to turn tough times into incredible strengths. The Share Latte podcast sprinkles hope and courage and the belief that you can not only handle, but thrive into your day. All right, besties, let's embrace those tales of triumph and get ready for another awesome episode of Share Latte. Welcome back, my latte and podcast lovers. Thank you so much for pressing play and joining me here today on Share Latte. I had a beautiful coffee chat with the fantastic Kate Trevis, the brains and heart behind the HR Pro. Kate, our go-to HR maven and recruitment wizard, has over 10 years of real-world HR experience, sprinkled with a dash of academia as a part-time professor at Humber College. From sipping vanilla lattes to breaking the barriers in the corporate world, Kate's journey is as rich and flavorful as your favorite brew. Let's spill the beans on Kate's inspiring journey from tackling language challenges as an immigrant to brewing success in the dynamic HR landscape. Welcome back, friends. I am so excited to be joined with by Kate. And we are going to be talking about a lot of being able to raise your voice. But before we get into that, Kate, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story and how you got to helping women use their voices on a, in a corporate environment that isn't the same <laughs> or isn't <laughs> built for women? First of all, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate you taking the time and inviting me over and, and allowing me to share my story. I think the more stories of empowerment we hear, the more we're able to relate to them and, and uh, find our own voice as well. My story is long, but I'll try to keep it as short as possible. I think first and foremost, being an immigrant, and I came here when I was a teenager, I was I came here with my family. That was a really interesting transition period for me just because obviously I didn't speak English as well and I, I think that's where the challenge of finding my voice has really started because when you're not able to communicate you don't really have a voice at all you're just following everybody else's directions if you're able to understand them of course but then I, eventually I've managed to acclimate myself and make friends and go to university and all of that other fun stuff and then get got a corporate job. Um, stayed in it, had a great boss, great company that I worked for. And I continued to grow within that industry, which was retail and fashion and things like that. And then I ended up pursuing the HR education and the HR career path. What was quite interesting is shortly after I had made the switch to another company after being with my employer for um, 10 years uh, I we were the pandemic was coming to Canada it was early 2020 and 
My husband wasn't working at the time. He was in between jobs and, and I ended up getting let go from my job. And that was devastating because I was also nine weeks pregnant with our second son. And that was such a turbulent time in our household, because as you can imagine, costs of living are quite expensive. Not having the stability of another partner bringing in the income home as well. And then from a very much a moral standpoint, I had such a big decision to make whether or not I wanted to disclose the fact that I was expecting to my next employer, potential employer, because of course that could cost me the job, but yes, I also had to earn a living for my family and make sure that I'm not touching my EI so that I can take the time off to spend with my little baby boy when he arrives. So it was just a very interesting time in my life. And I think a lot of it, uh, you know, the, the negative impact of it luckily wasn't as awful on our household because we did both end up finding roles that allowed for us to continue paying our bills. But it was really a really hard shake for me as if somebody had quite literally picked me up and shaken me and said, you have to do better than this. This is not enough, right? You have to be able to step up and quite literally articulate whether that's to somebody in your circle, whether that's to the universe, to God, to whoever it is that you're speaking to about what you want, right? And about how Hopefully you're going to get there, giving yourself timelines of getting there and things like that. And so when I went on maternity leave, I started a business and I started helping people find jobs, helping businesses find the right people for their for their business units and things like that. And so a lot of that really helped me actually through learning to become, I would like to think, a better version of myself than I was a few years ago. So that is Overall, the big picture story of me up and until this point. Oh, I love this. I love that you overcame some adversity. And then it's also a horrible story that you were let go during the pandemic and still and being pregnant. So what did that look like in the sense of when you were looking for a job? Did you tell your current employer or did you, or the people that you were interviewing with? Because it would have been yeah, done so, over Zoom, so you could have hit it for a little while. Not quite yet. So this was early mm-hmm. in 2020. So this was January, February. So we were still doing interviews in person at the time. The pandemic hasn't really hit quite yet. We haven't gone into a lockdown yet. So, um, yeah, so I, this is my second child, and I, I start showing fairly quickly. And luckily for me, it was winter time. So I was really in this this moral toss-up of do I tell them? I mean, no one's asking the question yet, right? But do I disclose this information knowing that it could cost me the opportunity? Um, or do I hope that uh, people are kind and, and, and will accept the fact that I'm going to be leaving in six months, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, I ended up, what I ended up doing is I didn't disclose it at first and then I felt really guilty. So I called the recruiter and I said, hey, listen, just an FYI, this is the situation. And she said, Kate, we're really looking for a permanent solution. We understand that putting in the time and effort to train somebody would be quite, and then having them leave for a year is going to be challenging. And and I do understand because I am an HR, right? Who else to better understand another specialist than, than me? So what I ended up actually doing is I came to a conclusion that I'm going to start looking for a contract position this way. I could disclose the fact that I was expecting and they know that I will definitely be leaving in six months. And luckily for me, I was able to find a six months contract. I think at that point, I had already mentally made a decision that I wasn't going to be coming back to an employment type scenario 
where I wasn't in charge. So for me, I just needed to get through these six months financially, mentally, everything else. And then I was going to, I registered my business before actually went on maternity leave. And I couldn't, I didn't quite know exactly what I was going to do with it yet, but I knew that I wasn't going to go back to that stereotypical somebody having the ability to really undermine my family's financial well-being with one decision, right? If that was going to be somebody, that somebody is me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this really taught you how to use your voice and use your own self-worth too, right? Because this meant you having to find ground in your profession as well as um, your home life. Yeah, absolutely. And I know this sounds very awful and maybe selfish as well. For me, the pandemic, as much as it was awful for a lot of people, in in many ways, it was a positive and and, in a sense that it was very much there's a lot of solitude, right? We all had to stay yeah. home. We all had to to not leave our house as much as possible and things like that. And obviously having a newborn baby, you do even less of the going out. Okay. And it, it, I think that time being alone, my husband found a job. He was in essential services, so he was still going to work. But having just be by myself, I think allowed me a lot of sort of thinking space as well. That in and of itself, uh, a lot of self-analysis and breaking yourself down and building yourself back up in a different way, I think is really important. And in retrospect, I understand how lucky I was with the timing of things that I had the opportunity to do that as well. That's, I love that. That's so amazing. So we, as women, I feel like learn, and I don't know about you, but as me as a child, for sure, I remember often hearing you should be seen and not heard which to this day frustrates me to no end. So I feel like sometimes we're conditioned to be very mm. quiet or not You find the importance of using our voice. How do we unlearn how to do this? How did you unlearn how to do this? I've never really been quiet. I don't know if that's oh, a I good thing it. or a bad thing. No, um, that's an amazing thing. I think my red hair usually precedes me into every room. People can see me walking in from a mile away and I'm not shy about it either. For me, I think the society, and I think corporate culture is changing quite a bit. I think whereas 20, 30 years ago, I think maybe when you and I were growing up, corporate culture looked very different. It was very much male dominated, right? And so women tended to have more support roles where they are uh, seen and not heard, right? Um, They are the ones taking directions from somebody else. That has changed. uh, And it will continue to change as uh, the next generations of powerful women are coming up uh, into the corporate world. And so I found, luckily for me, I've had some incredible mentors and managers that were both male and female that really empowered for me to continue to bring my ideas to the table. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, And seeing more and more women in leadership, I think that alone will help us unlearn some of the previously conditioned things, but it'll also help us not raise children or women. I have sons, but I think even for myself, being an entrepreneur, being being a businesswoman, I am showing my sons that women are just as capable of doing Absolutely. this, if not more, right? Because we've got Absolutely. all the other stuff on our plates too. Yeah. Um, and I think that's how we unlearn as a society. We move forward by teaching our children, our, our, our siblings that, that 
everyone is capable and everyone should be heard. At the end of the day, that's how we progress as a society, right? If we don't, if nobody says anything new, <laughs> we can't think, we, we don't move forward, right? We don't progress. And I think that would be the best way. I think also women, empowering women, right? Um, oh, yes. But also men mentoring women. Like I, as, as much as I know, obviously, there are still a lot of um, issues within sort of gender equality and things like that. I do want us to take a look at this differently and say, I'm going to mentor a person because they're smart and because they're capable, not because they're of a certain race or of a certain age or a certain gender, whatever the case. I, I want to see talent. I That is what I see as a recruiter, right? I see raw talent. I don't care about the <laughs> what it's encased in. Uh, uh, I love that you said, I see raw talent. I think that's, I think that's sometimes really something that holds women back a lot sometimes. Like I know when I was looking for a job in the corporate world, getting a recruiter to see my raw talent and not just my name on a resume was sometimes difficult and a hurdle to get over. I think there's an importance in using your voice to obtain your worth at home and at work. Hmm. But I think it's an exercise that we need to put in daily. So what would that look like for you and potentially somebody else listening? With regards to at home and at work? Let's break um, it down. <laughs> let's do yeah. one at a time. <laughs> Yeah, let's do one at a time. I know. Otherwise, yeah. that seems... And I'm the same way. But, I ask yeah. these questions that are like 75 layers long. I'm like, okay, right. Wait, that doesn't work. Yeah. Let's um, talk about Let's talk about at work first, because I feel like a lot of us spend a lot of time in the office or quote unquote in the office that we aren't really utilizing to our full extent. Like I know when I was in the corporate world, raising my voice in a meeting and telling my point of view was a very, and still is sometimes when I'm in front of clients, is difficult. Yeah. So for when I worked corporate, I work for myself right now. So I am the only voice here. Lovely. <laughs> and now I have employees that I have to give directions to and through no particular reason they are, they do happen to be all women. Not that I've got anything against hiring gents, but, but so far they just happen to be women. When I was in the corporate world, actually, I was very similar in a sense that I was very, I was still new to the corporate world. So even in meetings, I didn't feel like I had much to contribute because I had not because I'm, I'm not worth as much, but simply because I felt like I didn't have enough experience. And the other people sitting at the table were veterans of the industry. So what could I possibly say that's going to be earth shattering or groundbreaking or whatever the case may be? So I typically stay quiet, but I would have side conversations with my direct supervisor and he would always tell me, he said, why don't you bring this up in a meeting? You've got some great ideas. And the reason they're great is because they're coming from your perspective, somebody who's younger, somebody who's more cool, trendy, right? It makes more sense for you to bring them up. Like that idea is not going to come from a 60-year-old man, right? Because right. The, they're not in that, they're not in that sort of uh, environment, right? And it they were encouraging me. And again, even in conferences I remember when I was doing I was a manager of operations for a fairly large company and I had to present and for me if I'm not comfortable speaking at a meeting where there's five people around the table speaking in front of 65 people was paralyzing right and mm -hmm. so I had I made the mistake I don't even want to maybe it wasn't really a mistake I had mentioned to our CEO that 
I was really quite nervous about public speaking. And the reason I mentioned it to him was because he was incredibly articulate. And he just seemed like he had this, this Richard Gere ease to him when he spoke, right? Like he could... I love that you said Richard Gere. A glass of sherry with some ice, just sit there. My 15-year-old like, self just skipped a little beat right, right there. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can all relate to that, right? And yeah. he, he spoke four languages that he could just fluently switch between. And just he had this you know, this ease about him. And it didn't matter if he was speaking just with you one-on-one or he had a hundred people watching him. And so I really always admired that. And uh, I was a little bit envious of it. So I said, how do you do it? And he said, oh, I've got a solution for you. You're going to be on every stage that I own. And I said, no, that's not what we want to do. I I need you to teach. I need you to instruct me. I don't need you to just shove me onto a stage. And he said, okay, you know what? The answer is it comes with practice. So you're going to screw it up. Have a shot of something. Oh, I love it. You're go out there. Anyway. Like, fine. <laughs> and he's, listen, you're presenting awards to people. You're giving away trips to Turks and Caicos. No one's going to be mad if you screw up their name, as long as it still goes to the right person. Just right. I've messed up millions of times in my life. Some of these mistakes have cost me millions of dollars, and that's okay because I'm still here. So go out there, screw it up. You're still going to have a job tomorrow. You're fine. Go and practice. Uh, and I will afford you the opportunity to do that. And I have to say he was right because I got a lot better at it. I'm still not amazing. I still get nervous, uh, especially when I'm presenting in front of large crowds. But his method really worked. And now I don't even have to take a shot of anything before I speak to people. So that's a positive. Oh my God, I love that you had to take a shot of something before. <laughs> before you have to get on I am a really nervous speaker I need to slow down listen that resonates with me so much when I was when I used to this is way decades ago but when I used to get in front of the camera I had a photographer who knew me so well it was and would keep a shot of tequila before I would get in front of the camera because he knew that I needed to like decompress and it would be a different person this is why Beyonce for a little while had a persona named Sasha Fierce to get oh, on stage. Yes, I did know yeah. that. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, right? Amazing. I think I think regardless of whether you're just starting out, whatever industry you're in, or whether you're this multi-million dollar superstar, we all get nervous. And absolutely. Um, and that's okay. It's human yeah. nature. It'd be weird if we didn't, I think. Absolutely, for sure. Okay, so now let's talk about home. How are we raising our voices at home? I feel like this is a little bit easier to do it in front of your girlfriends and in your private life. But even still, there's still times that I think maybe I shouldn't say anything. Yeah, the challenge is that there's the the marital balance of things that you don't want to say to each other just so you're maybe avoiding an argument and they're usually not anything overly important right and I'm I'm sure my husband does the same to me and bites a stung every once in a while (laughs) but in terms of keeping a balance I think finding a voice as well I mean my husband and I um we I think we started our the dynamic of our relationship has started in a way that I would call non-traditional 20 years ago, right? We moved in together, then we got engaged, then we got married. And as soon as we got married, actually, so as soon as we came back from our honeymoon, I had started, I'd gone back to school. I headed back to school for my HR education. And prior to that, we had made a decision that he was going to take a lot off my plate in order for me to study. So I was still working full-time and all of the other things around the house 
we had agreed that he was going to take them on so that I had enough time to study. And ever since then, at times where then I would finish my schooling and my husband would take courses alongside working full time, then I would take on those responsibilities. For us, I, I think we've never had those sort of super traditional the husband is the the head of the household and the wife is the raiser of the children, right? We've always had very much of a partnership where both of us, as long as we're not hurting each other's feelings, I think we're capable of expressing how we feel and or what our needs are and things like that. So I think that's important. And that's how we're raising our, our sons as well, right? There is no, that's mommy's job or um, things like that. I think things that maybe I had experienced growing up and my husband has experienced growing up where there's these very traditional gender roles and and we certainly don't have them in our house. It doesn't matter what that something is, except for I don't mow lawns. I will tell you that is something I will probably not do. But aside from that, again, I, I think I think it's how you start the relationship as well and what sort of foundation you put down, which makes it a lot easier to express yourself and find your voice. But I also have to say my husband has been extremely supportive of my entrepreneurial career and and very good at recognizing that it does take a lot of mental energy. It's a lot of stress, whether things are going really well or not going really well. And and he's been really supportive. So I, I can't say I've had any sort of major challenges of finding my voice at home. That's, that's an episode for another time in regards to having the right partner, especially when you're getting into business, but even in your career, that is a topic for another day. And I will be bringing a panel in for that because that changes the dynamic of your business. You as a person who you decide to spend your quality time with and your home life with really impacts you as a person, but that's a topic for another time. Yes. Yeah. All right. So we all know that sometimes raising your voice can cause you to get a persona that makes you become a little bit of, I'm just going to say it, bitch, (laughs) or be perceived as a bitch. So let's one, try to X that out now. Because one, I believe that if a woman is raising her voice, because if a man were to do it, nobody bats an eye, but a woman does it, all of a sudden she's perceived as this bitch. And listen, this isn't all just about men doing it to us, but it's also about us doing it to each other. So let's change the narrative on that, Kate. Lots. I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So where do we start in changing this narrative? Well, I think it's interesting. I, I often think about the book 1984 by George Orwell, of course, one of my favorite books. And I think about some of the sort of the lessons in there about erasing certain words out of our lexicon, out of our dictionary to erase the concepts that are attached to them right and so I do think that there are certain things that are not going to be that we won't be able to execute obviously but I think those labels those adjectives a lot of them do come from us women right of calling each other that Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I think calling somebody assertive and saying hey you know what men I appreciate the fact that you said that this wasn't up to your standards because now I can redo it. I can, I can learn something new. If you can give me some guidance, that would be even better, the precise things. But it's how we respond. It's how we talk to and about each other as well. It's how we gossip. It's 
and I'm not, I'm saying we, I, I know men gossip too, obviously, but I think it's in the conversations that we engage. And I, I think, you know, if somebody knows me personally, uh, they will know that I don't gossip. I don't care who you are, uh, men, women, I, I won't engage in that conversation. So if somebody comes to me at a conference and says, did you see what so-and-so was wearing? I couldn't care less. I'm going to say, you know what? Yeah, she looks great. That's it. Conversation. That is all the commentary you will get from me. And I will do wow. it just out of spite, even if I think it's not. Well, it's I love this great. as an HR professional because I've had so many interactions with HR professional women who use that as the backbone of their career. And it frustrates me because you are the front line of right. the company. That's, and again, I, I worked, love I worked with that. fashion, right? I worked in the fashion industry. It's a very again, I'm using a label here, but it's a very catty industry. The catty label alone pertains to women, right? So it's just the industry itself. And people keep saying, ah, it's retail, how it is. And I'm like, no, that's not, we're not doing this anymore. It may have been this way, but we're not moving forward with it that way. And it's the same thing with my employees, right? I'm very much about empowering other women and letting them learn what their voice sounds like as well, if that makes sense. And so for me, it's about modeling the behavior of not engaging in these labels, in the gossip, in the sort of the, the women shaming. I think that's yep. how we change it. One at a time. Oh, I love that. I love that. And it's all individually based. Like if you are deciding to engage in that conversation and you're deciding to call this woman a specific way, you're only continuing the narrative of how that works. Oh, that's so amazing. I love, I love this conversation. This is amazing. So raising your voice comes naturally to you, it feels, which is something I love. You know what? It, it does now. It hasn't always. When did you decide enough was enough? Was it due to age? Was it something in your career that happened? Was it like, oh, I'm playing small and it's time for me to ra- rise up? There were, yeah, there, there were a couple of instances. It's, to me, it's building blocks. I think first and foremost, being an immigrant and not speaking English was a huge pivotal point for me because when I was growing up, I had lots of friends. I was in different sports and stuff like that. And then you end up coming here to this wonderful country and you aren't able to make any friends and you aren't able to participate in anything because you can't even read the darn paper that allows for you to register for a particular class, right? You really start, I think, when you're in that isolation. So I talk about isolation from a very positive standpoint for me. When you're in that isolation, you have nobody to really talk to. You really start to break yourself down in the best way possible. You start to figure out what parts of you are authentic to you and which ones have been put there by somebody else, right? Whether that's your aunts or uncles or your friends that are saying that you should like this kind of music because that's what they like, whether it's this flavor of ice cream, whatever the case may be, right? Maybe it's a particular food or whatever that something is, right? What you want, what you should be when you grow up, all all of those concepts. So when everything is quiet inside your head, it's a great time to start breaking it down. And so that was a really great exercise for me because for probably a good year or so, I didn't really have any friends. So I really took the time to figure out who Kate actually was. And it's a lot easier to use your voice when you know what you're trying to voice. So that was a great exercise. And I think struggling to find my my first HR job was a really interesting point for me as well, because I... I couldn't clearly articulate why I deserved to get the job because I didn't have any actual on paper experience yet. So that was that. 
and then yeah getting I think getting let go from my last job was also really devastating but it again it allowed for me to go quiet in my head and and rebuild and figure things out and understand that this was this was no longer the route I was interested in and then be brave enough to actually say it and say you know what I'm gonna just hold down the fort for the next six months and then I'm gonna figure it out I don't know what that looks like yet I don't care what that looks like yet I will figure it out I have 12 months of quiet with my child to figure this out. And I think with each one of those building blocks, my voice got a little bit stronger and it Mm -hmm. became a lot easier for me to express who I was because my, I guess, evaluation always comes from me, right? So whether people like me, don't like me, they agree with me, they don't agree with me, that's, that's wonderful. You're certainly entitled to your opinion as I am entitled to mine, but that doesn't change how I feel about myself. Absolutely. So if somebody doesn't give me a job, that's fine. If somebody doesn't take me on as a recruiter or as an HR specialist, that's okay too. Because there's plenty of people that do, right? If there's somebody that doesn't like me, if my husband didn't marry me, I'm sure we'll probably find somebody else. (laughs) Not as good, obviously, but right. But it's all of these things, right? And so I think as you get more and more sure of what you want and who you are, it becomes a lot clearer to deliver that message to the universe, if that makes sense. Oh, I love that. Yes. The more clear you get, the more, and it also delivering the message, but also asking specifically, those are all things. Oh, I love this. Thank you so much, Kate. As we're wrapping up, why don't you tell us where people can find you? Because you have many amazing resources to help. Uh, I, I do maybe probably too many resources to help. So I, I do have I do have two businesses uh, that focus on two particular things. So I have my HR uh, consulting and recruitment company that could be found on www.thehrpro.ca. We're also on Instagram and on YouTube as well. Um, and then we also have our career coaching and resume writing services also, which is the www dot the resume pro.ca. I know I didn't get very creative with the names, but where people can go in and if they're struggling to figure out what their next career move would be, we are happy to help them with that and happy to create the support structure in terms of cover letters and documents and all of that stuff. And yeah, and they can always find us and, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook, of course. Amazing. I love it. And one final question. <laughs> what is your favorite coffee order? My favorite coffee order, that would be Starbucks. It would be a half sweet, tall vanilla latte. Oh, I love a good vanilla latte. Right? <laughs> yes. yes. I completely Hot agree. in the fall and in the winter and then iced in the summer and the summer. spring. So. Oh, love it. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to, that you have. And we will see you guys next time. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone. Thanks goes out to Kate for sharing her wisdom and bringing some serious inspiration on today's episode. Remember, just like crafting the perfect cup of coffee, finding your voice takes time, practice, and a bit of boldness. So my latte besties, let's embrace Kate's journey, savor your favorite brew, and use your voice to stir up positive change in your life. Until next time, continue using your voice to inspire and uplift, just like the perfect cup warms the soul. Keep sharing your extraordinary flavor with the world. If today's episode warmed your heart, please hit that subscribe button and join me on future journeys. Enjoyed the chat today? Your thoughts and feedback mean the world to me. 
and they really help others find the magic in share a latte. Every story enriches our journey. Remember, you can turn your trials into triumphs and your scars into stars. Keep believing and keep chasing those dreams. This is Min taking her last sip from the Share Latte podcast, where life happens and coffee helps.